0: Good morning. Welcome to CoinOS YouTube Live, and thank you for joining us. It's the only time it's socially acceptable to go to church in your robe, as we saw so elegantly demonstrated for us earlier. And yes, I have to admit that last Sunday, I totally was in my robe during church. It happened. So if you're in your robe, if you're fully clothed, whatever, we are really glad that you're here today. My name is Carmen Carpenter, and I am super excited to be a part of our sermon series that we're calling Expand, and no, it is not referring to your expanding waistline from the holidays, although that may be true for me. But anyway, so my name is Carmen. I am a teacher by trade, and since I'm a teacher, I like to use stories and analogies, metaphors, things like that, to help my students understand what it is I'm trying to teach them. And I'm actually a piano teacher, and so I spend a lot of time trying to help my students understand how to use their bodies, how to have loose arms and wrists when they play so that they play not just gracefully, but beautifully, musically, all those things. And I like to use the image of a marionette puppet, and because you know, they're all loosey goosey and everything, and they have the puppet master who helps them. And that's a great image if the students understand what it is. And a lot of kids don't know what a marionette puppet is. I mean, some of the kids who have seen the movie Pinocchio kind of sort of get it. But really, those images really only work if the student is really, really familiar with that image and those images work best in the moment in the moment when they're needed so today we have this story of jesus and jesus of course is the best teacher ever and he did this he used images that his people his would-be followers would be really really familiar with and he even used them in the moment when they were needed And that helped him to show who he was and what he was doing in the world. Today, we're going to first look at Luke's gospel, Luke's biography of Jesus, in chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. And those will be on the screen, or you can look at them and read along with me. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push out into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, "'Now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish.'" Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time, their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, "'Oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you.' For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught, as were the others with him. His partners James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus replied to Simon, "'Don't be afraid.' From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. There are so many things that I could unpack from this passage. I could talk about how Jesus makes ordinary things, sacred things like fish and boats and nets. I could talk about how Simon Peter reluctantly obeyed and trusted Jesus even though he had been fishing all night. And I could even talk about how Jesus is better at your job than you are. But I think that there's so much more here. It's really easy when we read the gospels to think about how it's Jesus and me or what Jesus can do for me. But there's just so much more. So let's expand. In this passage, we have Jesus preaching to the crowds. Now, Luke doesn't tell us specifically what Jesus is preaching about, but I think we can make a pretty good guess, because Jesus is, just, is going around preaching about the kingdom of God. He talks about it over and over. The kingdom of God is like this, or he calls it the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like this. When Jesus talks about the kingdom of God, he uses that familiar language. He uses things like fishing and farming and yeast and sheep to help people understand what he's trying to say. Again, I don't know for sure what he's preaching about here. But there is a fishing story in another gospel, the gospel of Matthew. And I I wonder if Jesus, being this great teacher, if he took this opportunity to retell a story he had already told. Because that's what teachers do. We review and we reteach, we reinforce. So let's see if maybe that's what happened. I don't know. The fishing story I'm talking about is in Matthew 13, verses 47 through 50. And it goes like this. Again, The kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. When the net was full, they dragged it up onto the shore, sat down, and sorted the good fish into crates, but threw the bad ones away. That is the way it will be at the end of the world. The angels will come and separate the wicked people from the righteous, throwing the wicked into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Do you understand all these things? Yes, they said, we do. So I wonder if Jesus, here he is in this boat, if he decided this was a teachable moment where he could tell this fishing story. I mean, he's in a boat, there's fishermen, they have their nets. He could make it an object lesson and really make the story come to life. So he tells Peter to take the boat out to deeper water and to drop his nets again. And so Simon Peter, I'm sure, was thinking in his mind, he he thought, you know, I'm a good fisherman. I've been fishing all night. And Jesus, the carpenter, is going to tell me to drop my nets. But he did it. He said, Master, if you say so, I'll do it. And I'm sure muttering under his breath, the fish aren't biting. So he drops the nets, and what happens? He brings in this huge haul of fish, so much that he has to ask some friends to come over and help him pull it all back into the boat. And then they're all amazed. I mean, these fishermen, they would have been intimately, they would have had an intimate knowledge of the fact that they could not control the sea. They could not make fish jump into their nets. But look what Jesus had done. He showed them that he had dominion. He had rule and reign over the sea. And if Jesus had dominion over the sea, isn't he worthy of having dominion over me? And that's a lot, but there's more. These guys fishing with Jesus, would have been hanging out with him. They would have seen him preaching and teaching, casting out demons, healing people. In fact, in the chapter, Luke 4, the one just before our story here, Jesus had just healed Simon Peter's mother-in-law. And so as these guys are watching Jesus do these things, they're probably starting to understand that Jesus is not just saving individual souls. He's saving Israel. And by saving Israel, he's saving the whole world. Theologian N.T. Wright said this, Israel believed herself to be the linchpin of what the creator God was doing and would do for the world as a whole. When Israel was restored, the whole creation would be restored. These mighty works seen from the first century Jewish worldview would be the restoration of creation, which Israel had expected to happen when her God became her king and she was vindicated by him. So Jesus doesn't just have dominion over me, he has dominion over we. And yes, grammar police, I know that that's not grammatically correct, but go with the rhyme. When Jesus tells this story of the good fish and the bad fish that we saw in Matthew 13, this parable of what the kingdom was like, Simon Peter was probably starting to put it together that there were Jews, there were Israelites and Gentiles all in that net together, all flopping around, squeezed in there together. And that they were going to be in this net, this kingdom of God together forever. And not just for a while in the boat, but even later, when the angels of God were going to sort things out, there would be Jews and Gentiles among the righteous and the unrighteous. I mean, think of that in today's terms. That means that in the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, there's going to be Republicans and Democrats and Libertarians and Green Party and everybody else. There's going to be white folks and brown folks, Americans and everybody else included in the kingdom of God. So Peter is starting to put all this stuff together. Remember in Luke 5, after he brought in that huge fault. Hall of Fish, it says that when he realized what had happened, he fell to his knees and he said, go away from me. I'm a sinner. Peter's saying, I'm not worthy. I'm not worthy to be in the presence of the king, the ruler of all creation, including that sea that Peter was trying to have rule and reign over himself. And at the same time, he's expressing even more than Jesus has dominion over me. He's expressing we. Jesus have dominion over we. As a Jew, Peter had grown up knowing that his people had gone in and out of exile, had been under foreign occupation over and over and over again. And he would have known that that was a result of their sin. And their sin was idolatry. Replacing Yahweh, their rightful king of kings. And only by leaving that behind could they be released from their captivity. Jesus' response in that moment is so beautiful. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid that you, Peter, are one of those bad fish. Your repentance, your recognition of me, Jesus, as king, shows that you are worthy of my kingdom. Peter's repentance and acknowledgement of his sinful state showed that he was worthy. Jesus says to Peter, Peter, Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid to be caught in that net with all these other, all of those people that you have been taught to steer clear of or be afraid of. And don't be afraid that you are the one who's going to have to work it all out because that's God's job. He'll figure out the good fish and the bad fish. And then... Jesus says, now that you know, now that you know that you're part of this kingdom, come fishing with me. These lessons aren't just for Simon Peter or for the Israelites. They're for us. We must recognize our sin and repent just like Peter did. And certainly we do that for the sake of our own relationship with Jesus and to bring more and more of his kingdom, rule and reign in our own lives. And it, when more and more and more of us do that, then we will see more and more of the kingdom of God on earth. But we also need repentance for we, the sins that we, the people, are guilty of sins like racism misogyny playing fast and loose with God's creation we need to repent of idolatry those things that we have replaced God with in our hearts and lives and we the people must repent of believing falsehoods and conspiracy theories and turn to the truth and the truth my friends is Jesus He said it himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Only with that repentance turning away from our individual and our collective sins can we begin to see more of the kingdom on earth. I am 50 years old, and I've been actively following Jesus for most of my life, but only really recently have I started to kind of get this concept of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven and its impact on my life every day. But my husband, Andrew, who's pretty awesome and is a lot smarter than I am and has a much better understanding of these things than I do, wrote something the other day that I think expresses this so well. He wrote this, for Jesus heaven and earth are seamless. Heaven is where God reigns, so Jesus teaches his disciples to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When we incorporate this prayer into our lives, we ask God to remove the seam for us so we can participate more fully in his kingdom. The kingdom of heaven is what life is supposed to be, and it is closer Than the air we breathe. If Jesus has dominion over the sea, isn't he worthy of having dominion over me and we? As I close up my portion of this, I want to invite you to pray the way that Jesus taught us, to pray the Lord's Prayer with me. Let's do that now.